What is up? It is Michael Hunter. This is the ACC Basketball Report, episode number 104. Um, bit of a lag between 103 with David Glenn and 104 with T and the Chimp. Um, you know, it's... Uh, I just got tired of kind of rehashing the same old topics. You can only do so much previewing and and, and craziness in, in a world that's moving at a snail's pace to do a weekly show. It seems a bit redundant to me. So I, I got uh, I caught a pretty nasty cold in September. And uh, was it September or October? October. The beginning of October. And, uh, you know, went in and got the, the battery of tests, tested uh, negative for covid Negative for strep, negative for flu A and flu B, which is really interesting because, you know, maybe there's something else out there that nobody knows about that, but I mean, for about five days, couldn't breathe, um, wake up in the morning and just hack my lungs out, man. It was crazy. I don't get colds very often. I don't get, you know, really the flu very often, but uh, that was something that kicked me right in the nuts. I thought for sure I had the COVID and I thought for sure that I was in a bad way for a while, but it was not that. And then... Uh, so it basically took October off and, you know, November rolled around and shit, it's, it's November 30th and we're just doing the first show, but, um, it was a great show. It was a really good time. I had a great time coming back and doing, I hope you guys really enjoy it. Uh, tonight I got the chimp as always and, you know, brought back tea because I love having tea on. It's always a good conversation an honest conversation and, uh, uh, you know, just, you know, one of my favorite guests to ever have on the show. So, um, always popular as far as the numbers go. So I thought you guys would enjoy it as well. We talk about, uh, some lower level D one schools and, and some of the things that are going on there, um, which, you know, I may have lost touch with, but, uh, you know, T pays attention to, cause he knows a lot of the kids, uh, talked a little SEC, talked a little Auburn, Sharif Cooper. Um, uh, what else, you know, talked about, Virginia Tech, uh, Mike Young, Georgia Tech, Josh Pastner, uh, not really worried about Virginia and their loss to San Francisco. We talked about that a little bit, but, uh, you know, just a fun show. We talked about all kinds of different things and, uh, an interesting story from T regarding a, a phone call that he received recently. Uh, you can follow me as always at ACCBR1 on Twitter, ACCBasketballReport.com. I'm trying to do betting previews for ACC teams a few times a week, just picking a few select games. So uh, visit accbasketballreport.com. I actually went 0 for 1 tonight with the Boston College St. John's game. I thought Boston College was pretty impressive in their first two games, and then they come out tonight St. John's just run them off the court. Uh, BC did close the gap a little bit late, but ended up coming up short as a one and a half point favorite, losing by four in Connecticut. But that won't stop me from writing another one tomorrow or Wednesday morning. I hope you guys enjoy that. The numbers will show whether or not you guys enjoy that. I hope you do. And I hope you enjoy tonight's show. This is myself, the chimp, and Harold T. Little. Farrell turns the key, drives the lane with three on the shot clock. Doesn't get it. Five seconds to play. Down the floor. A Kogi. Welcome back to the ACC Basketball Report. I am Michael Hunter. We are back after a couple months. I think the last show we did was with David Glenn in the middle of September. I thought there was no way that we should come back for the first week of college basketball with uh, with the chimp, myself, and of course, um, the most common guest we've ever had on the show, and, and Harold uh, T. Little. Um as you guys all know, we've we've had T on multiple times, uh, you know, going after a bevy of different uh, topics and conversations. T, how's it going, man? Uh, it's going well, man. Glad to hear from you again, man. Oh, it's always a pleasure, man. After especially after what you left on my Twitter feed the other day, I you know it was a foregone conclusion <laughs> that uh, we were going to have to get you on and, and have this conversation. Uh, Chimp, it's been a couple months. How you been keeping yourself? Uh, pretty good. Um, I think I might have forgotten how to podcast, so, <laughs> you know, just try to get back into the swing of things. I kind of wish we were doing this over beers. Uh, that's really what I wish. Yeah, me too, man. <laughs> me too. I, I was, I was, uh, getting the, getting the, uh, the studio kind of set back up here and I had to basically break everything down because I had no ideas which wires or which are plugged into where. And it was, it was about a half hour process to get everything figured out. It had been a while for sure. Um, as I, as I told the guys before the show, for all you out there listening, I, I haven't really prepared a whole lot for the show. We're just going to 
Uh, do a little story time here. We're going to talk about the first week, some surprises, some overreactions we've seen, and then just maybe some general conversation about what's going on and get caught up as we none of us have really talked to each other in the past few months. So, T, you mentioned a story on Twitter that you that you wanted to tell that uh, kind of piqued my interest. I don't have any insight as to what that is, so I'm really interested to hear what's going on, man. Yeah, it's, uh, it's one of those things that it kind of goes back to Nasir's journey through this whole basketball thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, for those who aren't familiar with uh, what happened with Nas, right, as he was about to graduate from high school, there was the big FBI investigation, right? Sure. Yeah. And, uh, and there was um, like an allegation that my family had received a substantial amount of money from um from the shoe companies or one of the schools or something like that and like in excess of two hundred thousand dollars right mm-hmm. so the whole trial went down and everything and just as we said from the very beginning you know we had nothing to do with anything right so we get through all of that and now you know Nas goes through carolina gets drafted all right so I'm at home last week. I want to say, I think, was it Tuesday? Was it Tuesday when I hit you up, Mike? Yeah, it was. It was early last week. Yeah. All right. So, so Tuesday, I I get a phone call. All right, I'm just lying on my couch. I get a phone call from someone from a number I've never seen before, <laughs> and the, you know the guy goes through this whole long thing and, hey, I'm so and so. I'm associated with this player, who's at this location, and um. I was wondering if you could help me out with something. And I'm like, uh, uh, yeah, you know, sure. What's up, man? <laughs> now, is this somebody you've met before? <laughs> no, ne- never. Just cold called Never. You. Just cold called me, man. You just freak, freaked me the hell out, right? So, but, you know, I'm a, very, I'm a pretty gracious person, mm-hmm. you know, you know. And, uh, and so the guy says, well, you know, hey, man, I got this player. He's, uh, he's really good. He's at this level, yada, yada, yada. And I was wondering if it were possible for you to hook me up with someone to get this kid and his family some money. <laughs> <laughs> I, I said, what? <laughs> and, he said, and he said, yeah, man, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's a pretty dire situation and the kid family needs some help. And, uh, you know, I'm just kind of spitballing here. And I said, so out of all the spitballing in the world, you come up with my, with my <laughs> name and number. <laughs> and I said, and, and thinking of it, how the hell did you get my information anyway? Okay, I was going to say that. Nobody came to me and asked me for your number, I promise. <laughs> and, and so he, he tells me that he knows this kid from from and um from the northeast mm-hmm. speaking to a dad and the dad had my number in his phone as Nasser Little's dad right mm-hmm. and and the guy gave him my number and you know so you know I said well first of all I I, I can I can appreciate that you won't tell me who it is you know who gave you my number mm-hmm. that's pretty messed up that they did that sure and I said secondly. Even if I did get money from somebody, what in the hell makes you think that I would tell you about it? Right. So is this? And did this guy like reveal his own identity to you? He he did. He, I have his name and everything. That's that's all right. So I gotta ask, and I, and I don't <laughs> expect you to answer me. But like, what level of affiliation is this guy with? I mean, is this like a, a D two school or a mid major, high major? What? Uh, no, no, the kid's a high schooler. No, I, I understand the kid, but this guy that's calling you—what is he? I mean, what function is he? Is he a coach or is he a? No, no, I don't think he is. I think that he's. For, I, don't, I can't think of the right term. I guess the best term I can use is he's the kids' kids handler. Oh, okay, it's yeah. like he's like a liaison, like a liaison for the family is kind of the vibe that i got from the whole thing so is he he's he's I, I i i'm a little confused i guess is he soliciting you to get money from from like recruit recruiters or does he have money that he's trying to funnel to the kid or what's going on so he so 
he didn't straight up ask for like schools or anything like that. Mm-hmm. He so he was kind of beating around the bush. Sure. And and I said, okay, and I said, man, what what in the world? Just make it plain, man. What are, what is it that you want? Right. He was like, well, all right, man. You know, we're looking for somebody to give the kid five to ten grand a month Damn. for for the next couple of years. Jesus Christ. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's right? like a Dewan Hernandez type deal. Like, yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> that's a pro contract overseas, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so, so, and I told him, and I said, "Look, man, I realize that you probably googled my information and you saw FBI and two hundred thousand dollars." And I said, "But I'm here to tell you, man, it's not true. So you're kind of barking up the wrong tree, man." And the guy, he just wouldn't let it go, man. This shit freaked me out, Mike. I was like, what in the world is going on with these people, man? So you clearly have and more I'm, patience than I do. Because if I didn't know this motherfucker, and he just calls <laughs> me out of the blue and asks me to break the law and, 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 and whatever else. I mean, people went to jail for shit like this. Right, um, exactly. I mean, I, I'd tell a guy to, to take a long walk off a short pier and hang the phone up. That's crazy to me. I don't know, but you know how sometimes when somebody does something like so fucked up, it's like you're so shocked that they did it that you don't know how to respond. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was like that. I'm like, did that? Uh, T, hey, hey, T. Hey, T. Yeah. Make sure I get your number before we get off the call tonight, all right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you just go pick up any number, I might just start giving you a call to you know, the shit or whatever. Well, if he's if he's facilitating half million dollar a year deals, then absolutely, I gotta keep him, gotta keep him better touch. So, right? Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. You know, we all we all talked about like when when the FBI stuff kicked off, and and you know they were implementing this rule, these rules, and these committees, and and everything else. It, it didn't. I don't think it created a better system. It just created better cheaters. I mean, if you think that. The even the even Book Richardson going to jail. If you think that right. that mitigated any kind of this illegal activity, as far as luring kids to specific schools, whether it be through AAU or just straight up money in a bag in a hotel room, you know, right. I, I hate to break it to you, but that stuff is still going on. I think pretty rampantly. Yeah, but even even in like even when the trial was you know pending and everything, the stuff was still happening. Mm-hmm. I think it wasn't. Pro- it probably wasn't happening as frequently as it had in the past because all that happened was, was people said hey we got to chill out for a year mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and then soon as soon as it became old news and nobody was really thinking about it boom business as usual for sure for sure um i think <laughs> I, I god i wish i was plugged into that world just so i knew the dirt I, the dirt fascinates me um I, and we, when we're done offline, I'll even tell you who it is. And you can look it up. Oh shit! I can't wait. I can't wait now. <laughs> can we? Can we end the show after seven minutes? Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> so um, you know, the, we're still in the in the grips of this pandemic. Um, T, I can't. I, I we had you on um, earlier um, after the George Floyd situation. We talked about some some social. Uh, you know, things are you, since we've talked, I think that was probably May or June, I believe if I'm, if yep, I'm in May, May? Okay. May. Yep. as far as the, the progression of things that we spoke about then, have you seen any type of progression that has moved the needle for you since that conversation? Really? Yeah. Um, I think, I think on a personal level from person to person, I've seen people that I interact with, become more cognizant of the things that they say and the things that they do. Mm-hmm. Like people have shown to be more thoughtful in their actions and their words, at, at least to me and the people that I know, mm-hmm. because I, I, I know like, especially being in a military environment where I think sometimes um, our skin isn't as thin yeah. as society in general. So we say some pretty fucked up shit to each other, sure. like in the, in the Navy that if you heard it outside of the context of mm-hmm. the Navy, you know, you'd be appalled. But in this environment, it, it's not really much of a thing. But what I noticed is, is that not that people are like walking around on eggshells, but they're genuinely concerned. You know what I'm saying? Like right. 
that she, I, you know, hey man, you know, how, what, what do you think? You know, how, you know, what did I do in this situation? You know, how should I, how should I, how should I move forward and everything? And, and just like I told you back then, Mike, it's like, just don't, just don't be a fucking racist. This is all you have to do. <laughs> right. If, if, if yeah. you do that, you're fine. Because my thing is, I don't begrudge anyone for how they feel about something. Right. Because your experiences inform the way that you go through life. And, they, and it informs the way that you do things and the way you think about things. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, 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 and I can get with that. And that's not to say that I'm going to agree with it, but I understand. But um, I guess if I had an issue with anything, I think that people get politically correct and being honest about something um, messed up, right? They Mm -hmm. they get it mixed up. So people think being politically correct means the same thing as being a rude jerk. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. And I think that PC is really more so of a social lubricant to things that can be dicey mm-hmm. in, in social settings. So for me, it would be a situation like, and I think maybe you talked about this before, Mike. It's like like just taking the, the, a big hot button issue is the use of the N-word, right? Yeah. So, and, and, and the thing is, if it's in a certain context, I don't see a need to censor it, right? Okay. And, and Mike, and I do apologize, but I, I have to make my point here. Yeah, yeah, you're good. So it's, so, so it's like, if, if you and I were talking, and you came to me and you said, oh my God, T, I, I went to this place, and everybody in there was just screaming the word nigger. If you said that, that's not offensive. Right. That, that's a that's a context to what happened. You, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, but I, 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 I will if, say that I would never do that. They were saying the N-word. They were saying the N-word, is what they were saying. Right, but, but, just, but just the point, but if, if, you, if you did say that, you know, it, it would bother me, or if you were talking about the word from an educational perspective, sure. the history of the word, you know, the etymological history of the word or something like that, I don't think it necessarily needs to be censored but if you're saying it at someone as an epithet to be offensive mm. then that's problematic sure. and i think and i think people feel like if they can't say it then it's a it's pc culture sure no it's just about being a good person and being considerate that's all it is yeah i agree 100 i you know like i think i said back when we did the interview the first time was the thing that i thought came to the forefront was different races and different people actually coming together under one, under one, you know, umbrella as far as a certain cause goes. Um, you know, I, I was never very optimistic that, that, um, you know, certain widespread issues would be solved by it. I mean, it was nice to see that camaraderie. Um, unfortunately it comes during a year where we have, you know, a national crisis as far as an illness goes and, and, um, you know, whether or not one and one had anything to do with the other, as far as the impact of the the virus on the protests and and maybe the, or the, um, the, the protests being, or having a better, uh, more of an influence on certain social change that we all wanted to see. I don't know, and whether or not, um, you know, the whole thing just ended up being politicized, both the virus yeah. and the protest, and right. I think people got so sick of hearing about both, whether or not that's that's right or wrong, that it's kind of a shame that um, that we haven't seen something actually change, and maybe something has, and I just missed it, I don't pay a whole lot of attention to politics, I just kind of make fun of people that do and get all wound up about it, um, Right, but it... It's it's too bad that both of those things happen at the same time, and that's I think yeah. that's unfortunate. Yeah, my thing is it just be my thing is like even though like individually people have wanted to make changes, mm-hmm. I think on a large scale from organizations, companies, and large groups and stuff, anything they did became performative. Mm-hmm. It was just about um, look at me and what what you call it? What what you say it was called? You you had a, a patronizing. Phrase for it. I just called it. It was patronizing. 
I, yeah, I just called it patronizing. Just acting in a way to. I mean, seeing Nancy Pelosi in a daishiki, I'm like, come on, let's let's dial it back just a little bit. Don't, don't get me started on that. Don't 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 get me started. <laughs> um, and the other thing that you alluded to, or that you said, as far as the way you acted in the Navy, I, I work construction, so like there are certain things that we say in a, in a group setting of construction workers on a construction site where it's, I mean, 99.7% male that when I walk a building with an owner, when we're presenting it to buyers, to owners, to whatever, I I need to put on, you know, a different mask, let's say, like I need to act accordingly in the situation. Now that doesn't mean that I'm being a fake person. You can have fun in one setting and you can be professional in another. That doesn't really state who you are as far as a person. But like you said, it's all about, it's all about respect and acting accordingly in a given situation. Um, I do want to, I don't want to go down really that, that rabbit hole. I think we've done that, um, effectively and, and expressed our opinions in the past. So if you guys want to dial it back to the previous Harold little episode in, uh, May of 2020, you guys are certainly welcome to do that. I believe that was almost a three-hour podcast where we just did a deep dive on all kinds of nonsense and craziness and everything that was going on in the world before. Uh, I mean, the, the the Corona pandemic really took uh, a grip on the entire country. So if you guys would like to go back and listen to that again, you're more than welcome to. It is on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, as far as the basketball goes, we just wrapped up the first week of the season, Feast Week. Um a couple tourneys going on. We're having currently watching the Maui Invitational take place in Asheville, North Carolina, which is strange. Um, the <laughs> Battle for Atlantis, I believe, is taking place in South Dakota, which is also strange. Um, games being postponed, be, games being scheduled on the fly. We've had three top five teams in the country lose already, or three top ten teams in the country lose already. Um, <sighs> Virginia Tech looks like world beaters without their best player. Um Duke playing in an empty Cameron is something that is insane to me and a completely different experience. I wrote about it today on ACCBasketballReport.com. I guess I'll start with you, T. You know, what did you watch in the first week? What games caught your eye? What performances impressed you? And and maybe who's disappointed you? Right, absolutely. Um, So my thing is, is like I tend to watch – the players that I know mm-hmm. or players that I've, I've followed since high school, right? Mm-hmm. So my main goal at the opening of the season was to follow some of the transfers that I know, okay. Particular, particularly Jacksonville State, right? So I, I wanted to see how um, Brandon Huffman was going to do. Oh, yeah. Nice. You know, yeah. Le- leaving Carolina. And um, Amanzi Ingumezi, who was at Georgia, Okay. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah. So they're they're both at Jacksonville State. So I want. So I watched that game. Wow. I didn't when, know when they played when they played Alabama. Yeah. So I was watching that, and um and 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 you know, so kind of following the mid majors. Mm-hmm. Um, Buff. I watched Buffalo because of Ronaldo Segu. Yep. He was um last year's high school teammate. Watched Buffalo, and and I watched Texas, um hmm. because of the kid um. Kai Kai Jones. Yep. And um and Courtney Rainey. Um so um so I was just following those and, and looking at their progression. The one who stood out the most to me was really Kai Jones. Yes. Um yep. he was really under recruited in high school because he was kind of handcuffed in high school and he really started to blow up during his prep year at Brewster Academy. Um, when he was at Brewster Academy, that's when he started getting a lot of looks and everything and, and getting a national profile. Um, he, he, he was down between Florida State and Texas, and he chose to go to Texas. Um, his freshman campaign did not look very good in the beginning because Shaka Smart really wasn't playing him. But I think when they, they had some injuries last year mm-hmm. that kind of forced forced them to play him at the end of the season and he started kind of breaking out a little bit in the season so he had an, an off an off-season regimen that kind of got his body bigger because he's he was 6'11 205 pounds so he was 
thin as a rail. Yep. And um, and now he's he's his body is fuller, and I think he's really able to bang. But he didn't lose any athleticism um, with with the size that he gained. So I watched him. He had the game where he was perfect from the field and perfect from the free throw line. Had some blocks and showed some flashes of excellence with particularly running the court and working within the system and being and being a defensive stopper in the middle. And even in high school, as an awkward, you know, 15-year-old from the Bahamas, yep. he's always been a shot blocker. He, I mean, he can change shots around the rim, you know. And, and, and with a, an experienced player like Courtney Ramey, who Nasir played with on the um, Adidas Select team that played in Italy Eurocamp a few years ago. Yep. Um, and watching him, man, I, I always thought Courtney was good. Should he had but another I good thought, game today. Yeah, he did, didn't he? Yeah. And he? They won because of him, yep. I think. Yep. And, um, and watching him run that team, and, and I think it's his team this year, right? So that's the good. The indifferent is Buffalo. I mean, B- Buffalo, they haven't really played anyone, and the breakout player for them has been um, G. Nathan. Uh, what's G. Nathan's last? I can't think of G. Nathan's um, last name right now to save my life. But he had like a like an outstanding game, the opening game, and he was one of the um, top wings in the class of 2018. And, um, and you know, going to a mid major after coming off the Nike circuit, and he is he is fulfilling the potential that people thought he was going to have when he went to Buffalo. Yeah, Jonathan Williams he, um, is his name. Yep. Yes, thank you. Yes. Um. So he. As a as a slashing wing, athletic wing, well, not really super athletic because I don't think he has a lot of explosion. It is that he doesn't have any explosiveness, mm-hmm. but he's but he finds his spots really well. Mm-hmm. But now he's added an outside shot, at least at least in the first game, anyway. Sure. Right. Mm-hmm. So so he's added that. All right. So that was for Buffalo, and I think they're going to be the class of their conference this year, as a, as a mid major. You know, even with the with the new staff and everything. Now, the bad for me, um, and I don't want to necessarily say bad, but they just played some tough teams early on, um, was Jacksonville State. Um, I didn't think Brandon Huffman looked that good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and his time was limited so be, because he wasn't playing the best, so his time was limited. Now, the one person that I did think was going to um, – Breakout was was Slim, who is Amanzi Gomez. We call him Slim. Mm-hmm. He is playing to the level that I always knew he could. You know what I'm saying? But he he just needs to he just needs to get more in the flow of their system and pick his spots. I think he's kind of um, he's pressing a little bit to be the first option on the team, mm-hmm. which I think kind of leads leads him to take. Um, like not so great shots, but he's a shot maker. Slim, he's he's a bucket. And if you want to talk about somebody who is athletic, this kid is six nine, two hundred twenty five pounds, and and will just do this. Is one of the most explosive players I've ever seen in my life. And if he can, if they can kind of run rough shot through their conference. He's going to get some national um, spotlight um, in college. He's, if he can, if he can maintain and even and even get better numbers and show his all around game at, at a true six nine in bare feet, this kid's going to be very very special. All right. Yeah, I didn't realize he was at Jacksonville State. I, I remember seeing him at Georgia a little bit. Um, yeah. Looking at his season so far, it looks like they're starting to ramp up his numbers a little bit. But then they played a a D2 yeah. school or something like that, and he'd only played 11 yeah. minutes, which you don't need him for. But, yeah, I remember I remember thinking very highly of him when he committed to Georgia. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, he's, and, he's, and he's a good kid, man. He's a good kid. You know, you know, like a lot of kids, you know, they're from the best environment, you know, in Savannah. But he's, he's making his way, and, and I'm really looking for special things from him. Now, and, I, and I'm going to let Chip get in here. So this is my last point, Chip. And... Another player that I was really happy to say, excuse me, happy to see 
was Javon Quinter, right? So okay. they played they Jelly played fan. Jacksonville State, yeah, their first game. <laughs> Javon Quinterly is he he's unleashed. And I hate what happened to him at Villanova. Okay, so I wanna I talk hate- can we I wanna I wanna jump in right there. I wanna talk about that a little bit. Apparently, you know Quinterly. Is that is that safe to say? Or I mean, it, it, from superficially, Nas knows him much better than I would. Okay, so the whole I mean, the whole thing about Quinterly was just the the Instagram post on his Instagram story, and I swear to God, if, if they if everybody could just stay off social media, they wouldn't get in any trouble ever. <laughs> but right. you know, Quinterly. Going to Villanova after allegedly receiving benefits at Arizona um, was, just to put it nicely, was not a good defensive player at Villanova and ended up riding the pine a little bit. And then just in an Instagram post said, there's a reason that this was my second choice. And ever since then, kids or people, the media, everybody, podcasters, act like, like he... Like he's a serial killer or something. Like he's a bad kid for just right. you know spouting <laughs> off on time. And I, I don't know anybody that knows him, but it's hard for me to imagine that he's that bad of a kid. So anyway, carry on. He, he and he's not. But think about this, Mike. You got these these kids who are used to playing, mm-hmm. and and he was the man where he was from. Oh, absolutely. So so to go into a situation. Um, like he was in at Villanova, that that's hard to take. Now the difference is is going to be the people surrounding you. Um, and like I said, I think it's no it's no secret that I had some frustration with Nas's situation in Carolina, mm-hmm. and and maybe Nas did too. But the one thing that we never do is like gonna go out and blast as a player because he has to stand that environment. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And what could be and what could be the fallout if I said something really inflammatory or he came out and said something that people read into. So it's it's one of those things where you have you have to approach approach things with the measure of caution. And I think he just didn't have someone telling him that. Right. And the issue with this generation is that social media is their confidant, mm-hmm. even though you got hundreds of thousands of followers. This is where you go for your counseling or to sound profound or like you're, or like you're deep. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and that's what happened with this kid. He was frustrated and, and he aired his grievances in a public forum and it, and it, and it buried him. Well, as like, soon as I, you know, Twitter and Instagram is an echo chamber. You know what I mean? Like yes. you, you put it out there. What your expectation is to come back is a hundred thousand people that follow you because they like you telling you that you're right that you should be playing more, that your defense isn't that bad, that Jay Wright is making a mistake. And and the problem is he just, he said it incorrectly and and instead it right. really backfired on him. Yeah, and that's the thing. But soon as I, the moment I saw that Instagram post, I knew he was gone. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the, for sure. I, I, I was like, he's not coming back to Villanova. <laughs> yeah, you don't come back from that. No, sir. <laughs> Yeah, now, so the, the, that's what I follow, and then I watch St. John's um, to watch um, Josh Roberts play um, to see how he was he would come back from his shoulder injury. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and he is he's oh my god, this kid is. Woo, I was just watching them got, a few minutes ago, just blast. Yeah, he's got Boston they, College. Yeah, he's number one. He's number one on St. John's. He, he, he's he's doing some special things. And my next thing that I want to see, I want to see Mac McClung at Texas Tech, but mm. I haven't had a chance to see him yet. So yeah, he put that's, where I, that's where I am with it all. Um, I, real quick on the on the reactions to to the media as far as you and Nasir goes, and I think we've talked about this, I'm sure, at least once, is when the media in Chapel Hill was trying to drum up things, a rift between him and Roy, Nasir did talk to the media and just shut that down. Now, yes. talking to you, obviously there was some frustration going on as far as his role in the program, his role in the team that year. But right. you know, went the other way with it. You know, instead of the way Quinterly went, he just kind of said, "No, no, no, no." You know, gave it the Heisman, gave it the 
the, the stiff arm, put that to the ground, put that shit to bed. And it works out better for him, obviously, in the long run, because you look where Nasir is and you look at kind of the path that Quinterly is taking, and that's that's how that shit can backfire on you. Yeah. <clears throat> Chimp, yeah. what, uh, what were you able to watch? What were you able to glean? What did you like? What were you disappointed with? What are your, some thoughts on the first week? Well, I was able to watch quite a bit. Uh, I wasn't able to glean a whole lot. Um, <laughs> watch Gonzaga, and they are, uh, as advertised, mm-hmm. very talented. They shoot it. They're athletic. I mean, everything you, you want in a team, they've got it. They're deep. Um, they put a whip in on my Auburn team. So watch that. Uh, watch Villanova and Virginia Tech. That was a very good game. Very strange ending yes. in that game. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and listen, I think Villanova's good. Uh, I think Virginia Tech's good. The one thing about Virginia Tech, I would say that I think they kind of shot the ball maybe a little bit over their head, um, mm. in, in my opinion. Um, so I, I know that you're very high on Jalen Cone. Yep. And, uh, so when he gets back, uh, that will certainly help. Uh, but that was a very good game. Uh, watched, uh, Houston and Texas Tech yesterday. And that was a bit, of, that was a bit of a rock fight. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't get to but, watch that uh, game. <laughs> but I tell you, man, you watch Houston play, they've got some dudes on that team. Yeah, and they sure. will get up, they will get up in you and frustrate you. Um, so I was, I was impressed with them. Um, Let's see what else. I, I wanted to ask T about this. I don't know if y'all saw this, but Michigan yesterday. Yes. Did, yeah. did you did you see Juwan Howard uh, and the player get into a shouting match? I, I did not see that, but um, someone that I know who's familiar gave me a call about it and asked me the same thing. Hey, did you see this? And and I hadn't seen it because um, I watched their first game when Shondi Brown played really well for them yep. in their opening game. So I was like, oh, yeah, you know, Shondi's, you know, bouncing back from his time at Wake Forest, you know what I'm saying? But I did, and I heard about it and got a couple of messages about it and stuff like that, but I didn't see it. Well, that's what I wanted to get your thoughts because I know you know a lot of people and you may have had, uh, you know, heard some information behind that. But whenever I see a player coming back at a coach like that, it's number one, it's very surprising because when I played, that was an absolute no-no. Yeah. And in yeah. my opinion, it still is a no-no, but I didn't know if there was a backstory there. Right. But even if it is, uh, that kid's still a member of the team, and Juwan Howard's still the freaking coach. And if you have well, you, and if you have a grievance, there's a way to address it. Yeah, it's not on national and television. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That ain't it. I uh, but I did, but Chip, I did have a que- I did have a question for you though, um, regarding the two games that you mentioned, and particularly two players, if you can recall, how did Quentin Grimes look to you, mm-hmm. and what do you think of Terrell Jones from Auburn? And the reason why I asked you about Quentin Grimes, and and I stand by this, you know, he is one of the best high school players I have ever seen <laughs> ever. <laughs> And, and watching him light it up last year and, and um, at Houston, and I was wondering how he looked um, early this season. You know, he looked okay. Um, he wasn't the best player on the floor for Houston yesterday. But the thing about Grimes is he's built his body up, mm-hmm. and he's handling the ball, and he, he's bought into you know um, the team aspect at Houston. Uh, he, I mean, listen, he played a nice floor game, and he yes. helped his team win. Now, was he a superstar yesterday? In my opinion, no. But you can tell that, I mean, those guys are locked in, and he's right there with them. So, I mean, he didn't jump off the, the screen or anything, but he's, he's a strong kid uh, that wants to win, and, you know, I'm sure Kelvin Sampson's tickled to have it. Oh, for sure. All right, uh, Turbo Jones, Auburn. Um, T, I'm going to be honest with you. I've had some conversations with friends of mine. I know people over at Auburn. Uh, My opinion is I'm just not sure he's good enough to play in the SEC. And that's my opinion. 
you know, having watched Auburn, you know, over the, I've been watching Auburn basketball for 40 years, you know, you look at Jared Harper, Bryce Brown, those kind of guys. Yeah. I just don't, don't see him on that level. Wow. I, I think he's an, I think he's a nice player, but you were talking about Jacksonville State earlier. Yeah. That would probably be a better fit for him, in my opinion. Right. Okay. Yeah. Th- I think that's a, a good observation. And they have him running the point, don't they? They do, due to the fact that Sharif Cooper is going through some issues. And I don't know if you've heard anything about that. Or I, could I, t- <laughs> I've heard quite a bit. Now, I, I, now I don't want. So this is not me reporting anything. Hmm. But I thought it was already said that he's like disenrolling from school. He's not coming back. Is is that true? Well, there are conflicting reports, as there are, always are in these situations. But the focus is on his dad, who evidently right. is an agent. Yeah, uh, NCAA is looking into things, but that's the reason that Turbo is running the point is mm-hmm. the ball was going to be handed to Sharif, who is obviously yeah. an incredible was an incredible high school player, and Auburn really really needs Sharif Cooper badly right now. Right, Chimp, is there any correlation between him deciding to leave and them taking a postseason ban this year? I mean, they're not. I don't know if they were good enough to make the tournament anyway, which I, I think is probably a long shot. But once they made that announcement, the news about Cooper came down pretty quickly. Yeah. Well, one one thing's for sure: without Cooper, they're not going anywhere. Oh, I mean, yeah, they're not going absolutely. to tournament anyway. But even if they were eligible without Sharif Cooper, that they, they they're not a tournament team. Right. Probably not even a five hundred team, to be honest with you. But you know, listen, if Sharif. You know, if the NCAA is going to going to you know hassle these guys and, and making his life difficult, listen, he's just going to go play for some money somewhere. Yeah. Right. And, right. You know, kids are able to do that now. Um, you know, thirty years ago, the thought of an eighteen year old kid going to Australia to play basketball for money was crazy. Now, right. in today's world, it's not so crazy. Yeah, yeah, not at all. And, but I, I, I promise you, Chip, I, I could have sworn I heard or read that it's already been decided that he's going overseas to play. That that's I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's the information that I've gotten or that I've seen. Yeah, I mean, yeah you're yeah. probably right. I, I hadn't seen anything definite yet. I would love to see him suit up for Auburn, but, you know, you, you know the NCAA jumps in there and the kid has to do what's best for him. Yeah, fact. I mean, once once you put that out there in the ether, those teams from Australia are going to start calling, and once they start throwing some money around, throwing some figures around, it probably makes that decision a lot easier. You can fuck around with the NCAA for six, eight months, or you can just go play basketball for money and then put yourself in the NBA draft next year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as far as Grimes goes, he didn't have a great game yesterday against Texas Tech, but the game before that when they played Boise State, which Boise State's also a very good team. Um, for those of you who haven't seen Derek Alston, who is a fantastic player for Boise State, mm-hmm. um, you know, Grimes went eight for nine, had 25 points, seven boards. He, he was he was the game MVP for the game before. Um, as far as him being a standout star, It'll be difficult for him because you've got uh, Caleb Mills, Marcus Sasser, Dejon Giroux, all these really great guards uh, playing for Houston. So, you know, Grimes might not be a top five pick like he was when he originally went to Kansas um, and well, kind of struggled, but he's still a fantastic player. He's just playing for a coach that's going to stress, you know, team play. They're going to win a ton of games, and he's playing with some talented guys. I think he still ends up in the NBA eventually. I just don't know if he's going to put yeah. some kind of gaudy numbers like he like he maybe would for another team. I, I tell you this: that that dude can play on my team any day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, same for Caleb Mills. Caleb Mills is absolutely unreal of a basketball yeah, player. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's going to make a name for himself this year as well. Yeah. Um, did you see Matt McClung play? How how did he look? Uh, I've I, I I haven't seen him play yet this year. Um, I was watching a different game when Texas Tech and Houston were on a game that I you know I get roped into watching bad basketball so often. <laughs> I mean, like you know, I was watching Miami. I think it was it Miami that I was watching last night. No, no, I, I can't remember. But yeah, like everybody's talking about how and I would I would have watched Houston Texas Tech, but Houston just smacked him in the mouth and started running away with it early. And everybody's telling me that Texas Tech looks awful. And, you know, it wasn't worth it for me to actually change over and watch them play. I can't remember who the fuck I was watching. Maybe, what? I don't know. 
Well, T, I can give you a, a little report on McClung. He he did not play well at mm. all. And, you know, having watched him at Georgetown and kind of when he decided to leave and his recruitment as to where he was going to go next, it, it was a bit of a mystery to me that he even went to Texas Tech because okay. he's not an overly good defensive player. And, you know, if you're going to play for Chris Beard – you're going, to, you're going to get out in the stance, and you're going to guard people. Sad. And so it's very very strange to me that he went there, but I watched him yesterday, and he did not have a good game at all. Yeah, 0 for 6 from 3, got you know 10 of his 16 points from the line. Um, yeah, I mean, played a lot of minutes, put up a decent rating, but, I mean, Texas Tech still I, – I, even the 64-53 score isn't really indicative of – of, of what really happened. I mean, they were up 37 to 19 at half. So, um, yeah, he, I mean, he's, I, I, I don't know if I ever bought into the whole Mac McClung playing the point guard position situation. I mean, I know he did it a little bit at Georgetown, but right. for me, he's an off the ball guy who can't really shoot. That's going to make sports center with some fantastic finishes at the rim. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah. As, as far as things that I kind of saw in the first week, I am not worried about Virginia. I don't know if you guys were able to watch that game with San Francisco. Um, San Francisco played a great game, made a lot of clutch shots. They got a couple of kids in the backcourt that can really score. Um, Virginia, though, I, I didn't know. I, I expected uh, Jabri Abdur-Rahim to be maybe the first freshman since Malcolm Brogdon, I guess, or Justin Anderson mm-hmm. to, to kind of step into the step onto the scene for Virginia and make an immediate impact. And it right. hasn't been him. It's been the other kid. Uh, Reese Beekman has been just phenomenal for Virginia as far as giving, you know, Kia Clark a break. Um, he's really good on the defensive end. He's really good in the open court. Um, Reese Beekman's a kid that has really, really impressed me. Um, and then, I mean, you got to talk about – um, uh, Keve Aluma and and the work that he did for Virginia Tech in the Villanova game, twenty three and eight. Uh, he was named the ACC Player of the Week about five hours ago, probably um, by ACC Sports, and rightfully so. I mean, he made. I mean, if you guys haven't seen Villanova play, Jeremiah Robinson Earl is an All American candidate. That kid is just somebody you put on the block and let him out athlete people, and he'll get you a double double. And Aluma just ate up that entire front court all night long. It was absolutely incredible. Um, I wrote about it today. Mike Young just continues to impress me um, with his ability to coach his teams and, and make them competitive. Now we've seen this with Virginia Tech before. They started, I think, five and one or five and zero oh last year, and mm-hmm. then really started to tank a little bit. The difference this year is. Jalen Cohn isn't playing yet. Jalen Cohn is arguably their best player. They're now 3-0. I'm not sure I'm buying that they're number 16 in the nation, which is where they moved up to on Sunday. But Virginia Tech providing a great early season story for the ACC. Yeah, yeah. But they, I mean, I think I kind of feel like they always have kind of, at least in recent history anyway. Yeah, I, you know, I like um, – they were good last year when Landers Nolly looked like he was interested. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, it just his efficiency went way down. Um, oh, I, I couldn't believe that he didn't go pro. I couldn't believe that he that he transferred and took the chance of not getting a waiver. Um, but yeah, I mean, they they look good. This I can't believe this Aluma kid was at Wofford and now he's just was, dominating players in the Big East. Yeah, Mike. Yeah, Mike, I was going to comment on that. You know, you think about Kev Aluma, Mike Young convinced him to go to Wofford. Yeah. And this, this, I mean, I watched him when he was at Wofford, and granted, he's put on some weight, but he is a tremendously skilled guy. Yeah. Right. And, I mean, listen, when you look at him, he, that guy's every bit of an ACC player. Mm-hmm. No question about him. And Mike Young convinced him to go to Wofford. That's, that's a pretty good recruiting. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, See, but, it, go but it goes back to it goes back to speak, Mike. You did a show. Um, I, don't, I think it was this year. I think it was last season, um, not the um, nineteen twenty season, but the um, or the previous season where you talked about players going from lower level D one up into um, high major D one schools yep. and how they usually do. Yep. And you watch and you watch that kid play. 
he is the prime example of what you were saying about having high major kids playing in mid majors and then transferring, transferring up. Mm -hmm. They, you know how they do well. Yeah. I mean, it's, well, there's also a continuity factor in this particular situation where Aluma has practiced with Virginia tech for a year. He played for Mike young at Wofford. So, this the system and the style of play that Mike Young is running is nothing new to him, and and Mike Young's the kind of guy. I mean, I see Mike Young as a football coach. I mean, he's he's putting schemes together for every opponent. They're breaking down film, and he's coming up with a game plan. The way they played against Villanova may not be the way that they play in their next game, which was last night when they also won uh, pretty handily against South Florida. So, I, I just I, when it comes down to that particular instance. Kevin Aluma knows Mike Young. They've known each other for years, and he knows exactly what he wants in any particular situation. So, um, had Aluma transferred from from Wofford to you know to to uh, Georgia Tech and play and been playing the five position, would he be having the same kind of success? I have to absolutely say no. Um, but I mean, that comes down to coaching, and I don't know if we want to get into that because I don't want to go for three hours tonight. But. I, I, you know, I, I tweeted out the other day the difference between, you know, Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech isn't necessarily the roster. I think the rosters are fairly similar. It's and, and I tweeted out talking to a Virginia fan the other night. I said, you know, Georgia Tech's biggest question mark is the curly-haired guy on the bench that doesn't wear a uniform. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, Mike Young's a great coach, and Mike Young's going to get the best out of his players, and that's what makes Mike Young a great coach. So. Right. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I went off on a kind of a right-hand turn there, but, you know, that's what happens when you sit out for two hey, months. I, I, I like I like Coach Pastor, man. He's good people. <laughs> I mean, he's a hell of a nice guy, man. If you're going to sit down and talk to somebody and have a have a, a, a guy be positive and, and be nice and be, you know, just someone to sit down and talk basketball with, I mean, he is a great basketball mind. I, I'm not questioning that at all. That guy lives, eats, and breathes basketball. But he, he's going to disappoint the shit out of you four or five times a season, and but he's also going to win one game that he has no business winning. And, right. you know, right. it's just, that's just the way it is in, after five years. I mean, that's that's the way it is. Well, I'm going to state the obvious here with Passner. Listen, if you're at Georgia Tech, you cannot, absolutely cannot lose to Georgia State and Mercer. Mm-hmm. You just, you just yeah. cannot do that. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. if you lose to Georgia, okay, you know they're the other they're big, another big D one in the state, state school. You don't lose to Georgia State, and you certainly do not lose to Mercer. I mean that that listen, no nothing against Mercer. I'm sure the, the Gary guy over there knows what he's doing. Everything, but if you're Georgia Tech, you do not lose that game. Period. Yeah, you know, and I I, I think I put this on the board. I'm not sure if I put it on Twitter or not, but. You know, Georgia State is also in Atlanta, I believe. If not, they're in the suburbs of Atlanta. They're very close. It's a cross-town rivalry, basically. Um, I, I put on Twitter that going back to the 2003-2004 Final Four run when they lost the UConn in the championship game, there's an assistant coach on that team named Cliff Warren who is given a ton of credit for the coaching that was done on that bench as far as coaching up those players. Cliff Warren now occupies his chair on Rob Lanier's staff at Georgia State. So, um, you know, assistant coaches matter. In that same vein, in year one, the head coach currently at Loyola, Maryland, which is Tavares Hardy, was on the Georgia Tech staff. If you watch the tape from the Georgia State game the other night and the North Carolina game in Georgia Tech's year one with under Passner, the difference is is frightening because movement and and ball movement and player movement and screens and and passing were all principles of that offense. And then you watch a Georgia State game the other day, and it's like, well, give Mike DeVoe the ball and get out of his way, and maybe we'll run Jose Alvarado off a screen and get him a spot-up shot. Well, first of all, that's garbage offense when there's no movement. And Jose Alvarado is not the guy that should be spotting up for three. He's the guy that should be facilitating the offense. So, Indeed. Yep. I, I mean, that's that's just – there's since since Coach Hardy went to Loyola, there's been a significant drop-off 
as far as the the the, the movement and and the you know the way that the offense runs, and it just yeah. hasn't hasn't looked good. And they were embarrassed at home twice by two inter by two in state rivals that they should yeah. dominate. And Pastor's going to say, "Well, we haven't played any exhibition games." Blah 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 blah. Practice has been different. Well, practice has also been different from Mercer. So, and then when Josh tells you, "Don't blame the players, blame me." Yeah, we don't need to be told that. That's that's something that we already know. So right. Um, looking at, I haven't seen North Carolina since I got back in here. That this game, that game's probably winding down now. Um, were were either of you able to watch the Carolina game as far as opening night I, goes? Yeah, I did. I um I watched the re- when I landed in Portland. I watched the replay, and um, it, you know they kind of opened it up in the second half. But College of Charleston played; they, those guys played pretty 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 yeah. good. Yeah. I mean, and, Earl Grant's uh, a really good coach. Yeah, and tonight um, they were they looked bad early. Yep. But shit, they're about thirty points now. <laughs> Are they really? That's yeah. funny. <laughs> um, that front that front court is foolishly good. Um, oh my god, Dayron oh Dayron Sharp looks. It is amazing to me how high school kids come out of high school now looking like just absolute monsters, like. Daron Sharp, he's I, young. Yeah, he's young. I he's, mean, he's like freshly eighteen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he comes out of Montverde, look like he played tight end for the Patriots. It's <laughs> unreal. And like, I specifically watched the North Carolina game just so I could talk about it on the podcast. So I want a little airtime. Yeah, man. If I could get it. Is that okay? Yeah, good. I, uh, I, I, um, I thought Carolina looked, you know, like it was their first game. Yeah, they looked sloppy. But I'll say this, the guy that, that stood out to me from an athletic standpoint is that point guard. Caleb Love, baby. Uh, Caleb Love. Caleb Love. There, that kid, there's no way in the hell that kid is a freshman. <laughs> he, he looks like a grown man out yeah. there. If he, once he learns how to play, that dude is going to be incredible. Right. He, blew, he blew me away. Looking at him as an athlete, I mean, he's got size, handles it, plays hard, does all those things. When he learns how to play, actually play college basketball, man. And the sad part is he'll probably only play one year, but I was blown away just looking at him, just thinking, my God, this kid's a freshman. Just just unbelievable. Yeah, the only question I really have with Caleb is is his three-point shooting ability. But as far as playing in that system, that system that's going to allow him to get up and run – and and get downhill and you know he's playing with bigs that are specifically recruited because they can run. Armando yes. Baycott is is going to flourish with a point guard like that. And it's not that Cole Anthony was a bad point guard. It's just that Cole Anthony didn't really seem interested in running that system. Cole Anthony was 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 auditioning for the NBA. I mean that's that's what he was doing last year. He would have been he wouldn't have gone to college if he didn't need to. And you can tell me all day long that he would have, but I don't believe you. And Caleb Love is built for this system. Caleb Love wants to get out there and run all day long. Um, and you know, I, I tweeted, I, I tweeted before the game. You know, let's let's watch the Caleb Love show. And there were some interesting stretches, but I mean, at the end of the game, you can't really argue. Um, freshman going eight for eight from the line was something that you rarely see and that I love. Um, the other guy that I really like is R.J. Davis. Yep, and, I was going to say the same thing. I, mean, I was going to say the same thing. That kid is a battery, man. He's a spark plug. He's going to score a ton of points, and he will be in Chapel Hill for at least two years, I would say. His size probably keeps him out of the NBA draft for a couple of years. He's going to have to prove himself a little bit, maybe work on his body a little bit. But that kid can I shoot. He can I play. think he's leading tonight. Is I he really? they're leading score tonight. I, think, I know he has 16 Shooting three or four from three. So. Yeah, yeah, he can shoot it. He can get in the lane. He can finish. He's he's going to be a really exciting player for them. Um, let's see what else. What do we got for time here? Oh yeah, just wrapping up an hour. That went by quick. Um, let's see. Duke. Anybody watch Duke play? No. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I didn't want to. I'm not. I'm not proud of it. Um. <laughs> But Jalen Johnson's a fucking man-child, 19, 19, 5, and 4. I mean, that was absolutely incredible. It's weird watching a Duke game when there's nobody in the, fan, in the stands at Cameron. Um, 
I mean, that, that team, that it's going to be interesting because that team draws so much energy from their crowd that that may hurt them. Um, Louisville looked better than I kind of expected. Samuel Williamson had a couple good games. I, and I'm just going to say it again. I think where I misplaced my faith in Georgia Tech, all that faith on a team that may surprise in this league is going right to Clemson. I think Clemson is a lot better. Um, you know, beating Mississippi State beating Purdue, a couple Power 5 teams. That impresses me. Amir Sims is an absolute man, um, and I love Alamir Dawes. So. Right. Um, I, uh, I, actually, I actually watched that Clemson-Purdue game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, was, I was not, even though I'm a big Matt Painter fan, I love the way he coached the team, but I was not surprised at all that Clemson beat them. Yep. Clemson took, they took Purdue out of everything they were trying to do. Uh Listen, do I think Clemson's going to be, you know, great? No, but they are improved. And that was a very, very impressive win. To impre- well, Mississippi State's terrible. Yeah. They, I, I mean, watched that yeah. game, too. Mississippi State stinks. Just, you know, that, they should beat Mississippi State. But that win against Purdue was very, very strong. Yeah, I like uh, – I, I obviously love Sims. I love Dawes. Uh, P.J. Hall, who – I'm not really sure what happened in the Purdue game. I, I didn't watch that game. Um, only played seven minutes. But um, – <laughs> I don't. I don't have a ton of faith in Brad Brownell. I mean, I know he's a hell of a nice guy, but I, I'm I'm gonna see how long it goes before potentially the wheels fall off. That said, I follow Amir Sims on Twitter, and he seems like the kind of guy that a team would follow into battle night in and night out. I'm a big fan. So, um, right. With that, guys, I, you know, uh, Chimp, are we going into the bonus tonight? Chimp, you still there? Jeff, you got me? Yeah, I'm still here. I'm sorry. I was going to say, you can let Harold off the hook if you want to, but I'm ready to go. It's up to you. No, I mean, are we, are we going into the bonus? That's what I'm wondering. Uh, we can go with the bonus. If Harold is ready, I'm ready. Yeah, I, I can give you a few more minutes. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, we'll make I'm it ready. quick. I'll, right. I'll keep my mouth shut, and you guys can do it up. All right. T, what we do here, the end the bonus segment, uh, Mike's been nice enough to allow me to ask the guests some really stupid questions at the end of the show. <laughs> and it's seven questions. You know, we call it in the bonus. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. I, I love this question. I, I'm probably going to ask it to, to all, all the guests going forward. All right. A movie is made about the life of Harold T. Little. Who plays you? Well, the person who would have played me passed away. But I guess now Tyrese Gibson would play me. <laughs> there it is, uh, Coach. Do you have a, a, a an entry into this? I mean, I was gonna, I was just gonna guess Denzel. I mean, that's, I mean, that, that's the go to, right? I mean, no, sex appeal, man. Smooth chocolate bald head. <laughs> Are you telling me that Denzel is not doesn't have any sex appeal? Shit. He ain't the chocolate boy wonder though. Man. <laughs> All right, who did you say again, Tyrese who? Gibson. Tyrese Gibson. Tyrese Gibson. And All right. From the Fast and Furious um, films. Okay. All right, question number two. If we ask your wife what is the one thing that pisses Harold off above everything else, what would it be? Bad drivers. <laughs> Bad drivers, without a doubt. <laughs> That's a good, a good answer. They uh, pissed me off, too. Yeah. Nobody in North Carolina can drive with a shit. <clears throat> All right. I've scrolled through your Twitter feed to get this question. You you are a fan of music. I know that, yes. correct? Very Very much your, correct? Okay. Who is your favorite musician, and what is your favorite song by that musician? Oh, God. I listen to so much music. Uh, wow. Okay, right now, right now, my favorite musician is a singer named Jasmine Sullivan. She's a, a, a R&B soul singer, and she has this um, song out right now called Lost One, and it's just, it's like this, I don't know, man, it's just like this haunting song, but I just love it, because I love her vocal gymnastics, right? <laughs> but if I, my my go to is a, a jazz singer 
named Gregory Porter. And he has a song called Be Good, The Lion Song. So that's that would probably be my answer. Gregory Porter and his song Be Good, The Lion Song. All right, so I'll have to, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I like jazz myself. I'll have to look that one up. All right, question number four. Would you rather take a punch from Mike Tyson in his prime or go through basic training again? <sighs> oh, oh. <laughs> I mean, the first one might fucking kill you, so. <laughs> right. It's talking about in my current physical state? No, well, yes. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, I'd rather go through boot camp again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That question leads into question number five. You being uh, a Navy man, would society overall benefit if all 18-year-old males were required to serve one year in the military? If, if it were completely up to me, um, compulsory service would be two years, not one. It would be two years. And I, I, I'm telling you, the way society is now, I think that's a great answer. Uh, and that's, I mean, asking you, you've obviously been in the military a long time. I think society would benefit tremendously. Yes, most definitely. All right, question number six, and I'm going to let you run with this one, T. Give us your best or funniest AAU story. <laughs> oh, shit, man. <laughs> he said he was only going to give us a few more minutes, man. He's going to go for 10 on this one. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here going through my mental Rolodex, man, because... Some of them are funny. Some of them are scary. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've literally had a gun pulled on me at a fucking AAU game. <laughs> so all right, that's that's the story we want right there. That's that's the one we want to hear about right there. <laughs> all right, that that's I don't know if we can top that one. All right. So question number question number seven. All right, you've been all over the world. You've lived a lot of different places. Tell me the favorite, your favorite place you've lived and your favorite place that you vacationed. The, my favorite place that I lived, and this, and I can answer this very quickly, is Rota, Spain. Nice. By far. I, living in Spain was like the best thing ever. So, I mean, and nothing can compare to that. And if you ask anybody in the Navy, or the Marine Corps, who's ever been there, I'm pretty sure they'll tell you the same thing. Um, my favorite place that I vacationed, um, it's, a, it's a tie between two places. Um, the first place is um, Sydney, Australia. Uh, just some of the things that you can do there are just, just amazing. I mean, and just the, the culture and stuff there. And even how you can, like the debauchery you can get into there is is enticing. So I'll say that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and the second place is um, Gibraltar. Um, I'm not sure if you guys have ever been there, but that British colony there, mm -hmm. that's uh, um, right on that, uh, right, that little island right before you get to Morocco um, and through the Strait of Gibraltar. But that place vacationing there is, is kick-ass, man. So nice. Spain's the best place I've lived. Gibraltar and Sydney, Australia are the my two favorite places tied for vacationing. Great answers. Uh, T, I've enjoyed uh, talking with you tonight, and uh, great answers there. You are now in the bonus. Wow, thank you. <laughs> T, chimp. I, I uh, you know, appreciate you guys taking the time on a Monday evening. I think we, we, uh, it was a good first show back. I'm glad you guys were able to join me. I wouldn't have it any other way. And uh, I'll talk to you both soon. All right. Thanks for having me, Mike. Take care, Chimp. You too. Thanks. Yeah, later, guys.